cousin Chris Collier, but Ed was just telling us that he's going to pimp his Christmas angels. So that is where this discussion is going today. But so I don't make it leave him out. Mr. Morales, this is my cousin Chris. Chris, this is Mr. Morales. And uh, Chris is a massive fan of yours. I was telling him about your, or he watched the episode when we were Thanksgiving. He's, dude, Ed Morales is one of my heroes. I have read about that so much. And I was like, he and I are talking again December 6th. He was like, dude, you got to tell me when. And I was like, do you want to join? And he was like, no fucking way. That's like, great. Like, hey, Chris, where, where yeah. are you located, Chris? I'm in the uh, People's Republic of New Jersey. Oh, my God, man. You need to, you need to, you know, escape just like East, East Germany, you know. <laughs> oh, he, I know, right? I know. <laughs> I'm turning I on know. the fan. He, yeah, Chris, you got my, my fiance, uh My fiance and I are... Uh, we're just close to our parents here, and um, yeah, okay, you gotta leave. Well, that makes a big difference. So, yeah, makes a big difference here. here. Yeah, it's so I'm you stuck got, here for right now. You guys can all go to the same gulag together because that's a yeah. that's that's. I know. Did you see in England today? They um, today what today December sixth, twenty twenty. Today in England, they said that there are now they are lifting quarantine restrictions on quote high value people. So people that are deemed worthy no longer have to quarantine themselves. And they can go travel. So, is this not just the Soviet Union? Is the wow. Union just, you can travel freely if you are high enough up in the Politburo. I had not heard that. Yeah, that, that, as of today. So, um, if you are elite, I mean, which is really weird because Valenti Berioff, the head of the KGB and the Soviet nuclear program, whenever the the nuclear scientists would make a big advancement to lead to the first a bomb for the Soviets, they would get a bunch of stuff, but they would also get free passage to different parts of the Soviet Union. So um, that is now that is now a reality. It is slowly creeping yeah. in. But yeah. Chris, you were telling yes. me why why it was and why it was and Chris proud owner of a three fifty seven was explaining why why it was so important, why Mr. Morales's the the shootout in Miami was so important and how it changed everything. And it seems that you actually know a lot more about this than I do, Chris, so why don't you take it away? All right. Well, so uh, first, I just need to I, I just need to gush for a second. So I'm uh, I'm kind of like a, a caliber nerd. I, I don't work in the gun industry or anything. Maybe in the, in the future, I'd love to. But I love just reading about calibers and 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 performance and stuff like that. And um, so I've for like five years been pretty much obsessed with reading about that the Miami shootout. I, I read about it. Okay many many times and i had no idea until i saw the uh the link for tom's podcast and i was just like i was so glued in to listening to, to you talk about it that was incredible and i've read it and not only were you in it but you're the guy who finished it so i was oh, like yeah. oh shit <laughs> yeah he, he, is, uh, he, so, is, he is the finisher yeah yeah so i mean um i don't know from and and i do need to apologize because when i talked to tom on thanksgiving i said i'm gonna read the book but I do manage a retail store, and so this is my first day off since Thanksgiving, so I did not get a chance to read the book between Thanksgiving and today. Oh, well, then the podcast but is over. It's over. Get out of here. I apologize, but I, I will read the book. But, um, yeah, so it, it seems like that shootout kind of it, – it, 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 it temporarily ended the 9mm in, in, in the Bureau, but they just recently brought it back, I guess, because of uh, modern – That's correct. Well, you know what though? It, at the time, it effectively killed it. I mean, everybody thought it was it was a uh, you know tombstone, you know, end right. of story. But um, that just goes to show you how uh, in- engineering 
can can change things around because it's not so much the nine millimeter that was a problem. It was the caliber, the nine millimeter caliber, uh, not the caliber, the, the the actual bullet that they were using in the nine millimeters. They were using a hundred and fifteen grain silver tip hollow point, which uh, at the time, I mean, I I didn't carry one, you know, but all the SWAT guys told me that that was like the creme de la creme. So it wasn't the, the platform, it was the actual ballistic side of it. And uh, the engineering uh, has, has caught up over, over the years. Um, now they've got this, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't even, I, honestly, I'm so far out of the loop, you know, on nines that um, I'm told that it's a bonded round. And I honestly don't know what that means, but I, I'm told that it is equivalent to a 40 caliber or even a 45 in its performance so um you know it, 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 you know just 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 to be you know accurate as accurate as possible it was the uh the caliber not not the actual platform the pistol but i mean you know i, I haven't even fired uh had a chance to fire any nine millimeter bonded rounds but my son who's a deputy sheriff here in the county said that his department went to the new bonded rounds uh, <laughs> you know they they switched out uh, about 18 months ago two years ago from the um the 40 calibers to, over to the uh six hour not six hour uh, uh got glock <laughs> the glock nine millimeters so uh they're they're all they're, they're all carrying uh, the new bonded uh, ammunition so um i mean you know you you wait forty years or thirty five years and and you reinvent the wheel. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, and what I read um, was that the the not the gentleman I shouldn't say the gentleman the criminal the murderer Pl- who had the one that had the what platinumatics. Yeah, the one that had the mean the mini fourteen. Plat. Yeah, so he got shot from from somebody, and the way that he got shot that was even if he got shot on the operating table he would have died. That's correct. But, but because of the circumstances, he was still able to do so much damage. Correct. That 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 is all correct. Here, hold on for one second. Let me get. Let me grab something here. Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. I've got my little stick here. He was shot. So so that you can see right, right here. He was right. shot through the arm in this fashion. Okay. He was moving, and the round penetrated his arm, severed the brachial artery, and penetrated his chest and traversed across his chest from the right side and stopped right about here, which is about an inch from the heart. Okay. So, uh, I mean, that was, I tell people, I said, Jerry, Jerry Dove, when he fired that round, he was shooting at a moving target. That was a million dollar shot because his window of, of opportunity was probably about three feet you know, from from when Platt exposed himself until Platt, you know, got behind cover, three feet. That's a, that's not very much space. And right, uh, right. Jerry Dove was firing from a distance of about fourteen yards. You know, you think about it: shooting at a moving target at fourteen yards, where 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 your your window is three feet. Man, that's that's a fant- and he and he made a, a center mass hit. The agent performed, Jerry performed, you know, uh, admirably. The nine millimeter uh, pistol performed admirably. The failure was the the round, okay, the the, the ballistics. 
Conversely, okay, which is, I, I spoke to Tom last time, you know, about the, the, the psychology of survival. You know, we really, law enforcement really never really uh, addressed the psychological side of survival. Everybody always addressed tactics, positions, you know, all, you know, like all, all the cool stuff, but nobody ever really looked into the cerebral side of, of survival. And that is, that has been studied so much in the last 30 years that now people, you know, I'm amazed at how, how much, uh, how much of a grasp of, of survival people have. And I'm really, especially law enforcement and, and agents. The will to survive is something that nobody can give you. Tom can't give it to you. You can't give it to me and, and, and so on. Okay. It has to come from the individual person. Okay. And that's where, where, where the case study about the shootout, you know, took a different, uh, different perspective. You know, there was tactics, there was ballistics, uh, you know, car stops, all the, you know, arm, you know, weapons and so on. But you know what? We actually started looking into the, the psychology of survival. Platt was 101st airborne. And so was his partner, uh, Maddox. Okay. Great training. Okay. So you get mindset with good training and the will to survive. That's what kept this, this, uh, this crazy person, Platt, working. Because it was unreal. That, that hit, I mean, on, a, on 98%, 99% of the human population, that hit would have just stopped you. Maybe not instantaneously, but, you know, after you realize, hey, I've been shot through the lung and, I, and I'm having difficulty breathing and I'm bleeding out, you know, maybe I should stop and get some medical aid. This guy went for, from the point where Jerry shot him, we estimate he went an additional three minutes to maybe three and a half minutes of where he functioned and continued to fight and fight and fight and fight. Okay, so that was like uh, when it when it was finally studied and, and analyzed, a lot of people couldn't believe it. And you know what though? Anybody who's been involved in an actual life and death uh, scenario in, in a survival uh, scenario knows, hey, you know what? Uh, if you put your mind to something, you know, it's like, hey, you, people say, I'm gonna fight you until my last breath. That was Platt. Okay, he fought until his last breath. Okay, and I, I, I attribute that to 101st Airborne, his personality, and, uh, and and training. You know, so it's like my, my my personality is probably a lot like Platt's. You know, I'm kind of a to, to put a fine point on it. I'm kind of an asshole. You know, so. <laughs> Maybe not, maybe not that much, but you know, I'm a hard person. You know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a focused person. I had Marine Corps training, and uh, and uh, you know, I, I I I did a lot of training with the FBI too. I mean, I've had training all you know all throughout my my young career, my early early years. But you know what? You never really know what you're going to do until you're actually faced with it. You know, and and that's what happened with Platt. You know, his mindset. Okay, people couldn't believe it. And it was all mindset. Um, do we know what went wrong? And Tom, if I'm talking too much, just tell me to shut yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do we know what went wrong? Uh, how two guys that were in the military ended up being such hardened criminals? You know what, though? That is, that's a good question. And I've been asked that question before. And who's to say? I mean, who's to say you and, and, and Tom, you know, 
you guys could have grown up to be the, the you know the the next generation's platinumatics. I mean, what kept you from, from being that? Okay, what kept you from taking you know going to the dark side as opposed to staying on on the side of light, you know, and and right. consciousness and, and rule of law? Who knows? I mean, was it strictly personality, uh, or was it economics? Was it need? Was it a, a, a an issue of you know I need a thrill? Right, 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 right. Who's to know? I mean, honestly, but based on on our studies and our our investigation, they were doing it for economic purposes. They wanted money. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, the old who was it? Uh, uh, Derringer uh, in the in the forties uh, was I forget his name, Tom Derringer or something like that. The, the John. old gangster. John John Derringer. John Derringer, yeah. So a reporter asked him, he says, why do you rob banks? You know what his answer was? He said, because that's where the money is. <laughs> okay. and, and these guys were the same way. Why, why did they rob banks? Because that's where the money was. You know? So it, it was strictly economics. I, I shouldn't say strictly, but mostly economics. However, interviewing their, their girlfriends, going, you know, trying to, to reconstruct their life, going back, you know, and, and, you know, we found out when they enlisted in the military and so on and so forth. They did a thorough background on them as much as possible. But uh, they found out that they, who knows how or why, but they had a history, according to their girlfriends, of, of going out at night, even when they were in the military, dressing up in dark clothing and, and ski hats and stuff, going out at night and carousing around, you know, and, and it, it Wow. I forget. One of the girlfriends said, found out or some or one of the, one of the two told her that they would go out and rob drug dealers. Okay, wherever they were, you know, they would kind of drive around looking for the seedy part of town, you know. And and they, he, they, uh, the girlfriend said that they would rob drug dealers. Now, what a perfect victim, you know, is a drug dealer's not going to call nine one one and say, "Hey, officer, yeah. these two guys <laughs> robbed me of my cocaine. You know, yeah. can you help me?" <laughs> So, you know, the same thing is in, it happened in Miami when I was there. There were people that went, you know, good guys, bad guys that went around wherever they could find them and used, tried to rob drug dealers. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a high risk uh, profession because <laughs> drug dealers are usually pretty well armed, you yeah. know. <laughs> so most of them are. So, I mean, who knows? Who, who knows what caused these two, two guys to, 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 to turn to the dark side? I mean, you know, it's, it's all personality. Maybe it's environment. Maybe it was economics. Who knows? I really don't know. But you know, needless to say that our our paths crossed on April eleventh. Yeah. And do, do you think and this is all? I guess speculation. Maybe it's not. Maybe you 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 know the answer. Is um, you say economics. Do you mean that they were hurting? You know, they got a kid on the way. They got whatever. They got bill X Y Z. Or it was just like they wanted money. Just like well, I mean, li- live you, big. You know, Tom, you've just described me. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I, you know, it, what you just said applies to all of us. Yeah. Okay. Except most of us, ninety percent of us, ninety-five percent of us, get a job, yeah. get an education. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not defending them. I'm not defending no, 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 them. No, at no, all. I, I'm just saying, yeah. you know, that uh, you know, I mean, you know, why, you know, yeah. why would someone choose that path as opposed to, you know, stay in school? You know, I mean, if you have a good career, have a good life, you know, get get a job, you know, and 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 move up in the world. Okay, some people just want to do it the easy way. You know, they they want to take shortcuts or they're lazy 
or who knows why. I mean, you know, I'm not a psychologist, you yeah. know, but why do people turn to crime? Maybe they get a thrill. Maybe they're sadistic or, or who knows, you know, but these two guys, went, went, you know, their cover work, their employment, they were, uh, they both worked at the uh, Yankee Clippers uh, lawn service. Okay, from all, from all, uh, intensive purposes investigations uh, show that they never did any yard work because doing yard work in South Florida in the summer is freaking back breaking dirty work you know and you never saw these guys you know riding one of those you know lawnmowers yeah. around you know the yards and stuff you know there was just a cover yeah. you know so they were just looking for easy money you know and of course they each had their 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 uh, their homes and according to what the neighbors said after the, after the shooting, when the investigation, when the investigators came by to ask, they always bought their kids the latest toys, you know, the little, you know, the big dude, whatever was in fashion in the mid 80s. They always seemed to be going on vacation to Disney World, uh, you know, in Orlando. So, you know, they were trying to live, you know, a, a, a lifestyle beyond their means. And the only way they could pay for it is to rob banks or rob you know, drug dealers. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've thought about that before, even before I ever read about Platinmatics is, um, is yeah, like it, you know, it's like mo that describes everyone, right? You got a kid on the yeah. way, you got health insurance, and it's like not everyone goes and robs people. Some of us just get a job and it sucks, but you get the job. But I've thought yes, about that. I mean, that's it. Yeah, I've thought about it. And again, not defending them, but more so trying to rationalize. Like, you know, I don't defend Hitler, but I know why he did what he did. And it's because he was a psychopath and hated Jews. That doesn't defend it, but I understand why. So right. to understand right. why Platinmatic said what they did. It'd be like if you're Michael Jordan and you're working at a summer camp and you're selling ice cream, but meanwhile, uh, on the courts at night are illegal games where they're playing $5, whoever wins a game of 21. At a certain point, you're like, I'm better than these little shits. I mean, yeah. if you're looking at drug dealers, robbing drug dealers, not even banks, let's just stick with drug dealers. Here are these hard guys in these seedy parts of town. But you're trained in the hundred and first. What part of you is like, yo, let's go, let's go whip some ass, like, yeah, you know, exactly, it's exactly, you know, and and you know what, based on their based on their history, uh, based on their performance, you know, uh, between August of uh, 1985 and, and April 1986, and based on their history, when the, according to their girlfriends, they were they were not afraid to, to take uh, deadly force action. You know, I mean, they were not afraid. And it's like, hey, if you got their way. You know, too bad, so sad. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. ended up, you know, getting killed, that was on you. Yeah. Okay, not on them. Yeah. You know? it, it, it seems it seems almost like it's the worst possible situation that could have happened because you have two guys who are clearly like sociopaths who don't really care, who are in it for the thrill, who want money, and then they got the training Correct. behind it. It's like Correct. all the bad things came together. Yeah. Correct. And you then, know? you know, Chris, and then on top of that, as, as we you and I discussed earlier, Whoops, did I lose? Okay, nope. you and I discussed earlier, you add everything you just said, and then on top of that, you add a, a strong will to survive. I mean, that is the perfect storm. And I mean, then, and, and we met the perfect storm, yeah. and then you know, on, on April 11th, you know, because, you know, all the training and his commitment and stuff, and you know what? He just, he fought until his last breath, you yeah. know? Kind of like, uh, you hate to use the old saying, you know, hey, they'll, they'll never take me alive, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I have two more questions, if you guys don't mind, about the specific. No, no, Chris, Chris, there's there's no. Can I answer your ballistics question uh, well enough? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I have one more ballistics question. So I've read in two different uh, in two different places that the three fifty seven that you carry that was your own personal gun. Correct. Okay, I read in one spot that it had thirty eights in it, thirty eight shells in it, and then I read somewhere else that it had three fifty seven shells in it. What's the truth? The truth is thirty eights. What now? Why? That seems crazy. Okay, see, you know that's an interesting question. You know, and if if you're not if you're not inside the agency, you know, you wouldn't know that. It's like, why wouldn't you carry three fifty sevens? Right. If you shot them next to each other, it's a night and day difference. The the answer is regulations. What? Yep. Regulations. And you know what? I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a balls to the wall type of guy. You know, uh, you know, I've been known to skirt some regulations here and there, but nobody wants to get fired. Yeah. Okay. Right. For for you know having uh, you know violating a, a you know people say well why weren't you carrying a different uh, different uh, weapon, dude? If I carry a 44 Magnum, my own. Okay, and I shoot and kill somebody. Guess who's going to jail? Guess who's going to get fired? Yeah. You know, I'm going to go get fired, and and I'm going to be liable. You know, yeah. because that is a not non-authorized weapon. You cannot carry non-authorized equipment or ammunition. So <laughs> that's you, you you could have a 357 Magnum, but you had to carry. 38 caliber bullets in in the in the in the in the weapon you could only have 357 magnum uh rounds as reloads as you know if you fired your first six then you probably needed a 357 magnum round so the the theory was that hey when you go when you go through your first six rounds then you can start loading magnums. What a stupid fucking rule! Yeah, that seems like bureaucratic. How? Yeah. No, how, how, how about I just let me shoot the person and not need to go through six rounds? Right. That's like, exactly. That sounds like something from an ivory tower of well, our our models show if you go through six, chances are you're in a life or death situation. Fuck that. Give me a desert eagle with a black tip round. Like screw well, that. Well, you know what? Though? Exactly. You know, these are these are regulations and rules and stuff that that are being made by by people who don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like in today's environment you've got politicians telling police shoot him officers, in the leg you know no well yeah shoot him shoot him in the <laughs> shoot him in the leg <laughs> guys they don't know how hard it is to shoot somebody you know shoot somebody and something that's about three or four inches wide are you kidding me and, and you know he's moving and or, and or the whole life or death the uh, like you talk sorry to interrupt you but in your book you talk about um you talk and the book will be linked in the top in this top comment and description for anyone that wants to read it plug from <laughs> <laughs> plug for mr morales but you even talk about in the writing of your book how it's a, you don't you're not just going through like a shootout. You're explaining something that sounds like a heavy LSD trip in terms of time dilation and, and right. images and and like the, exactly. the, the shutter effect. And it's like it's, exactly see these rules are made by naive politicians or naive administrators. It's like in today's environment, you know, people, politicians are telling police officers, "Well, you know, you can't use excessive force." I said, "Dude, if someone is coming at me with a pipe." In in my in my book in in my school that is deadly force. Yeah. Okay. If you come at me with a pipe, I'm not going to let you hit me. But now politicians want 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 uh, the the bad guys to get to get to make the first overt act, and that's like break your. And if if I block with my arm, okay, they have to break my arm or hit me across the head before I can respond with deadly force. I'm going to say, hey, excuse me, screw you. 
You know what? If you even look at me sideways with, with a pipe in your hand and you take one step towards me, I am going to interpret that as a hostile, deadly force intent act. Right. And I am going to use deadly force in, in, in response. Okay. Now, a lot of these politicians are saying, well, no, you know, police officers, you can't, you can't do this. It's like, you know what? Politicians do not dictate deadly force policy, you know, deadly force law. The Supreme Court of the United States has determined what deadly force policy is. Okay. A politician can say, hey, don't use deadly force against a citizen. But you know what? A politician can kiss my ass because the deadly <laughs> policy has been dictated and it's gone up to the Supreme Court numerous times and they've upheld it. Okay, simple. If any, if you feel that someone is, is, is going to cause serious bodily harm or kill you, you can defend your life with equal deadly force. Yeah. Okay, yeah. simple. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? It's well, better. you shouldn't even have to ask for forgiveness. You know, yeah. if the, the law, if the Supreme Court law, you know, dictates, hey, you can defend yourself, you know, in a deadly force situation. I don't have to ask for forgiveness. I know what the law is. Yeah. Okay, it's kind of like the, you know, those officers in Atlanta. Okay, there's a big hullabaloo about that. You know, that blah. You know, that politicians can 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 say what they want, but those officers especially the one who shot was perfectly within the bounds of Supreme Court deadly force policy. Yeah. Are you talking about the one in the, the, the one who fell asleep in his car in the parking lot? The, yeah. The McDonald's with the, incident with the taser. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's okay. unbelievable to me. That, yeah. But see that falls perfect. That falls exactly within the deadly force policy. Okay. You know, you don't, you know, it, 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 your your reaction is in one tenth of a second. That incident happened in a, you know, as fast as I just moved my hand, boom. Okay, that's how fast it happened. But of course, hindsight and the uh, cell phone cameras that we have now, you can go frame by frame yeah. by frame, and you can criticize all you want. Yeah. Okay. But the situation didn't happen frame by frame yeah. by frame. It happened in a tenth of a second or yeah. two tenths of a second. Yeah. And that officer had to respond, you know, with his training and what he observed. Okay. So it doesn't really matter what the mayor of Atlanta says. Okay. What matters is what the Supreme Court has ruled. Okay. What deadly force is. He's perfectly within within the the, the, uh, the deadly force guidelines. Okay. So. You know, a lot of these, uh, like going back to the 357, okay, that, that, that regulation was made by, um, by someone who didn't know, okay? In, in my opinion, it was probably uh, someone who didn't know. Now, <laughs> on the flip side, okay, on the flip side, and, and, and I'm playing the devil's advocate. The problem with the 357 round, is, as all three of us probably know, that's a, that's a hot round, okay? That thing's got some zip behind it. So the concern, and I know what the concern is. I mean, the concern is always, it doesn't matter whether you're using a 22 pistol, 22 rifle, or a 44 Magnum. The concern is what happens when that round hits the subject and it keeps going, or what happens if the round misses the subject and keeps going? Okay, so there is there is that, that aspect of it. Gotcha. <laughs> so, I mean, you, know, it, 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 you have to have a balance, okay? Maybe naivety played a part of it, but, you know, concern for safety, public safety, you know, also plays a part, you know, in that. So you kind of have to balance the two, you know, as far as, you know, the the 38, 357 Magnum question. Yeah. 
I'm so glad you answered that because I've like every time I read about guns or I I shoot mine, that question literally comes into my head. Why? Why? Why did that happen? And what is the truth? So I feel like part of my life is just answered right there with that question. <laughs> okay. Well, good. What What, Miss Morales? If there's any, if I can ask a question, if there's so you couldn't carry a 44, just so let's just say like you just decided screw it. Let's say in hindsight you knew the Platinumatics thing was coming. Whatever. Just somehow you know it what, in some weird divine way. What weapon are you carrying around? Just regardless of you get fired or not. If you could just have – I mean, and not like a mini gun, but I mean like if you could bring anything, what would it be? Just full you – know, yeah. I've, I've fired a forty four, and you know what? That's a man's gun. <laughs> okay, so I know I wouldn't carry a forty-four. I mean, I'm not Dirty Harry like yeah. the, the old Clint Eastwood yeah. in the movies and stuff. I don't know how the hell he fired that gun. You know, I don't think he was firing forty-four loads. You know, but that's another story. But I would probably, you know, in hindsight being twenty-twenty, I would probably have carried three fifty-seven magnums in in my three fifty-seven magnum pistol revolver okay so that would be one change and then the other change is you know if, if, if everything was was perfect hindsight i would switch uh, my uh, double up buck uh shotgun rounds for rifle slugs oh so uh that that would that would have made a whole a whole bunch of difference i think yeah you know but you know again hindsight is 2020 yeah yeah <laughs> Good I mean, Lord. you still, yeah. you still, you still ended the fight, and you made it out of there, a hero. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. It's not all bad, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's a good day, you know. Do you think? Well, actually, let me ask you one question first. Do you ever get tired of talking about the shootout, like thirty-four <laughs> you know years later? Honesty, honesty. Uh, I used to talk about it a lot more uh, in the '80s because it, it had just happened, and we had prepared uh, the training video. And I was at the uh, training academy, so uh, they wanted me to pass my knowledge on, my experience on the New Ages training, the New Ages uh-huh. degrees. So I talked about it uh, way more back then, you know, and, and over the course of the years, uh, you know, it's kind of tapered off to, to a point where uh, when I when I retired in 2004, I mean, I, I nobody was even asking me. And then after I retired, I went through a period of about 10 years where I no no one asked me about it. I mean I mean I don't wear a, a patch on my on my <laughs> shoulder saying hey I'm, I'm the FBI Miami shootout guy you know so, yeah <laughs> so so I mean I, I I try I do I did try to be as anonymous as possible but gotcha I would get calls periodically from different agencies you know, to go to a conference and stuff like that, maybe once a year, twice a year. But then when I ended up uh, working as a contractor in, in Iraq and Central America, that was six years where I, I I had no contact with anybody. You know, I was just training, you know, uh, gotcha. police, you know, stuff. So uh, so the, in, in a long roundabout answer to your, to your question is no, because, I mean, I'm not asked uh, about it that much. I mean, I, I, it's kind of peaked up again, perked up or, or picked up. Uh, because when I wrote the book, I, you know, I had to put a lot of thought process, in, you know, into it uh, to reconstruct the actual incident, you know, so. Right. So in that regard, I mean, I, ha- I have thought about it. And you know what, in a way, if I think back on it, I'm, I'm sorry if it, this, this answer is long. No, um, no it's okay. In, the, in 88, 89, uh, it was therapeutic because mm-hmm. I'm still suffering from, from PTSD. 
and it was it was good to talk about it you know because the more i talked about it the more uh insight i got because i i didn't know i mean i i only during during the actual shootout i only saw a little narrow you know sliver of of the pie yeah that was my my portion and what i did okay it wasn't until we prepared the training video that i actually learned what all the other actions were you know the actions from the other agents and the actions by the bad guys so when i because of the training video i got a real good idea of what happened and based on that i did more research and more research to a point where i think i have a a, a pretty good handle on what happened I, i'm about 90 percent i know what happened up to about 95 percent. okay and the other five percent we don't know because we have four participants that are that are dead okay the two bad guys and, and the two agents uh, ben and ben Grogan and jerry dove died so we really can't can't ask them uh not really we can't ask them <laughs> what 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 uh, their actions were what 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 they saw and so on and so forth you know so we've had to reconstruct their their actions based on on uh, eyewitnesses and on evidence you know so that's why i say you know i'm about I have about 95% of the picture. The other 5%, maybe, you know, 8%, nobody will ever know because four witnesses are dead. Yeah. Could could you, and Chris, unless you have any, what it, were you about to say something? I had one more Yeah, question. yeah, good, go for it. I don't, yeah, Chris, ask away. And then, well, I have one more question about the shootout, and then before the podcast is over, Chris, I have a general we, question. Chris, I just, okay. I gave an hour as a loose estimate. We can go for as long as we want, as long as Mr. Okay. Morales can, and you can ask as many questions as you want. There's no, there's no, just let it go. I respect everybody's time, so I just wanted to put it out there. Uh, um, don't be such, what, a, don't be such a bitch. Just ask your question. You know, uh, Morales, Tom, Tom, you were right. He is a bitch. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he, he warned me, Chris. He warned me. I warned her. I said, "Hey, man, you gotta, you know." I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. He's don't, joking. don't come get me. He's, he's joking. <laughs> no, believe me, Mr. Morales. Nobody can come get you. You're an, you're an animal. <laughs> Chris. What would you say, Mr. Morales, the main area of opportunity for the Bureau was looking back on the shootout? Is it like tactics or mindset? Because I've watched, there's like some recreation videos of it, which are horrible. Like if you read about it and you watch, like, I don't know if you've seen any of those like recreation videos, they're really bad. They make, they're so. Yeah, I know. I, I've seen, I, I think I've seen almost all of them. Okay. And. You know, it, you know, and even when they interviewed me, okay, I was interviewed for, for uh, at least half of those videos that have that have been on TV, and they really? still, and they still screwed it up. It's like, <laughs> what the hell? I mean, it, it, it's it's just incredible. And the made-for-TV movie that was a total poot screw. <laughs> it was the movie was about sixty fifty percent accurate. Wow, that's okay. bad. You know, I mean, they they got so many. Uh, they, it, you know, a lot of it was fluff. You know, they had to make up some some stuff. You know, to to fill in. You know, the lives of, of uh, people, my life, and Ben Grogan and Jerry Doves and so on and so forth. Okay, but for them to get the shootout wrong, that was just unbelievable. The shootout part of it is like fifty percent incorrect. I mean, wow. don't, get me wrong, don't get me wrong. It, it's it's a it's an exciting movie. I mean, everyone that I've ever talked to said, "Man, that's a good shootout." It said, "Yeah, you know what?" But except it's fifty percent wrong. 
You know, <laughs> I mean, but I know it's, I'm, I'm probably one of eight people who know that it's 50% wrong. The rest of the public thinks, hey, man, that's what happened, you know, and it's, it's not, you know, so, so that part of it, you know, I, you know, I just said, you know, it, there's a lot of misinformation out there, which was another catalyst for me to, to write the book because there was right. information out there. But I don't understand the the, 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 the point of your question. What, what what when you say what opportunity was there for the for the FBI? What what do you mean? So like, if you look back on it, like, do you think it was like all just like wrong place, wrong time, wrong bad guys? Um, do you do you think that like? Uh, that the fact that you had an inferior bullet is 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 how it was so bad, or was it just bad? Like, do you think that the FBI, like, did the FBI learn anything from it? Oh, oh my God, Chris, we learned tons. Yeah, so tons, like, what, you know, what, what, and, and what you know, say and, the and biggest takeaway is and, and, and that's a good that's a good phrase. Takeaways, the takeaways. Uh, yeah. I'll get to it in a minute. But the thing is, you know, it wasn't wrong place, wrong time. It was right place, right time. Okay. Oh. Because I feel we were faded because we were after these guys hard, okay? Between August of 85 and, 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 uh, and April, you know, we were, we were dogging these guys, okay? And, and we were getting closer and closer. It wasn't until March that we actually found, you know, uh, we had a, a live witness that, you know, he survived getting shot and robbed by these two guys in the Everglades, his, his name was Jose Calazo. That was the first actual live witness that had, had a face-to-face -face confrontation with them. And uh, he uh, he was able to provide a lot of information. So we were getting closer. If, if it hadn't been April, it would have been May. If it hadn't been May, it would have been June because we were getting closer and closer to him. And um, so so that that's that part of it. Now, the other part of it, the takeaways, oh, my God. I mean, that's why my, my book is called FBI, FBI Miami Firefight. Yeah, five, five minutes, minutes that changed the bureau. Changed the, bureau. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. changed the whole FBI, and it changed law enforcement in general. Okay, we started looking at ballistics. Okay, that one round that should have stopped, or if not killed, Platt outright, caused the whole change in ballistics okay that's what led to the uh the development of the 40 caliber round okay and the development of the 149 grain uh, uh subsonic nine millimeter round okay that was almost like 33 percent heavier than the 115 grain or maybe 25 percent heavier okay i mean big changes there and then we changed uh weapons platforms you know, the FBI went from revolvers to pistols. The, the FBI was, uh, the FBI in particular and law enforcement in general was always concerned that semi-automatic pistols would malfunction. Okay, and I don't know what the history was because I really, I really hadn't studied it, but there were so many horror stories of guys carrying pistols and when it came came time to use them, you know, in a, in a sudden, event like a, a sudden confrontation that uh, the, the pistol fired the first round but it failed to to cycle it failed to extract or, or failed to load or whatever so there were so many horror stories out there but you know i don't know whether that was a a, a problem with uh, the weapon at the time with, with the ammunition at the time or with the maintenance you know by by the officer right so i mean there's so many different factors that we will never know but now in today's environment people know that you have to maintain your pistols because it's an actual moving 
machine. I mean, it's not it's not a Swiss watch or a or a, a car engine, but it does have moving parts when you need it. You know, so you do have to maintain it. You know, so that 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 uh, changed. We changed ballistics. We changed weapons platforms. We changed training. Because when I went through firearms training, and, and this is no this is no slap or or, or a, a finger in your eye to anybody, okay. But the the mentality of training back then was they were trying to teach you marksmanship, which which is always a good thing, you know. That that's the the bottom line, or that should be the first step in tra- training people how to shoot the basic fundamentals of marksmanship, okay. And then, and then when you get that, when you establish a, a, a base level of, of understanding and training, then you can start putting all the razzle dazzle on top of that. You know the 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 fancy, you know, shooting, you know, you know, shooting uh, pennies out of the air or whatever, whatever training people have. You know, uh, you know. In, in other words, you, you we call that going from from. Uh, Marksmanship to combat training. We called it combat training. You actually started shooting in real world environments. You shot you shot at multiple targets. You shot at moving targets. You shot you shot at par- partially obscured you know targets. Instead of shooting at a full silhouette, you would shoot at just an exposed head and shoulder. And uh, you shot from. Um, inside a car you shot you know while while running and then you'd have to stop you know go to a certain position and and shoot from there or they would stress you out you do a bunch of push-ups and then they'd say okay run behind that mailbox and uh, you know address the target okay so that's combat shooting okay but when i went through the way i remember it and my mind is fuzzy you know i am you know close to you know 60 i'm six i'll be 68 next year nonsense but is that Law enforcement was shooting for administrative purposes. Okay. Gotcha. Let, let me define that, okay? You have basic marksmanship training, the basic platform, basic the very basic base uh, of training. And then they started, you know, doing the other combat shooting. So this is just an, a wild estimate on my part, but I, at the time that I went through, we did about... 80 or 90 percent shooting in lines okay just going you know through the marksmanship training and 10 percent combat shooting okay and and the reason agencies law enforcement agencies have to have to shoot in lines is because they have to be able to defend you in court saying okay chris is a seven-year veteran and we have seven years of statistical records for his firearms training, he is on average over the course and over the course of seven years, his average in marks and firearms training is eighty-seven percent. So uh, he is eighty percent accurate, or he has an eighty-seven percent hit rate on a target. Okay, gotcha. that is for administrative purposes, and that's for legal purposes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, back at the, back in the day, you know that that's all that was the majority of the shooting. You know, shooting in straight lines, shooting in straight lines. After the Miami shooting incident, they still taught basic marksmanship, and they still tried to establish a record for your your percentage. You know, your ability to shoot, but they increased the combat training up to like forty percent 
or maybe that seems way more logical. 40% combat training. Okay, shooting and moving targets, moving and shooting, shooting from inside a car, shooting into a car. We have some wrecked cars back then. You know, you would shoot in, at a target inside a car. You would, we would shoot in and around cars. Mm-hmm. Okay, we would shoot uh, weapons, shotguns from inside a car, uh, MP5 machine guns from inside a car. So everything became <laughs> a lot more uh, dynamic. Okay, we weren't SWAT members. But we weren't shooting in straight lines anymore, so that was a huge change, because people found out, hey, you know what, I can, I can, I can become a robot. You know, I, I can shoot in a straight line. You know, because I, I know the course, mm-hmm. I know I know the distance from here to there is twenty five yards, and I know where I have to aim. But you take them out of that straight line shooting and put them into a real dynamic situation. Okay, you're in this car, dude. When the buzzer goes off, you have to undo your seatbelt pop the door open, get out of the car, go behind the engine block and address that target or those two targets or five targets. Okay. And you have to reload, you know, it, when you need, okay. It's a, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a hot, hot line. Okay. What they call a hot line. If you run out of ammo, you reload like you were on the street. So that, that, that stress, that change, you know, getting people out of straight, straight lines, that stress, you know, would, would really show you what the, what the shooter was capable of. And it opened, and it was good because it opened individuals' eyes and it opened the agency's eyes. It's like, wow, we need more training in, in the combat training. You know? So that, 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 was, uh, that was great, okay? The other changes were, as I said, was the, the, the weapons changes. The FBI, <coughs> excuse me, as an agency, got more long weapons. Um, they purchased either a shotgun or a semi-automatic MP5. Okay, they purchased enough weapons that every two FBI agents, because usually FBI agents travel in pairs, you know, it's a partner. Every two FBI agents would have access to an MP5 or a shotgun, always, in a car. Okay, so, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of weapons they went out and bought, but, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with uh, the the uh, H&K. Those are not cheap guns. I mean, those okay. are I, sh- I shot one in October, yeah. Yeah, Tom has more experience with those. I shot a silenced one. It was awesome. Yeah. So, but yeah, but those things are German. You know, it's yeah. Germans. You know, yeah. they, they're, they're German-made, you know, and they're not cheap. Fucking so the crap. FBI went out and bought, I think they bought like 600, okay? Wow. Uh, or, 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 or I, don't, yeah. I don't even know. I mean, because there's 10,000 agents out there. They bought a whole bunch of MP5s, and I'm sure H&K was happier than... You know what, man? So, and then of course, then we went to the Remington 12 gauge shotguns, you know, which they also bought several hundred shotguns. So, so increased firepower, increased ballistics, increased training. And then they actually started looking into the, as, as I, I, I mentioned earlier, Chris, is the psychological side. Right. It's like, you know, I would come in and say, hey, listen, I, I was shot twice, you know, with a rifle. I survived. Gordon McNeil was shot, uh, Two times with a rifle, he survived. He he by far was far more far worse injured than I was. John Hanlon, <coughs> John Hanlon was shot once. He was shot three times with, with a rifle. He was shot in the hand and the legs. Okay, and he survived. You know, and conversely, uh, Platt, the the guy who did all 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 the damage, he had. 12 wounds on his body, 
from a combination of shotgun pellets, uh, 9mm rounds, and 38 rounds, okay? And his partner, Matt, uh, Maddox, had six hits. Okay, he, he by far had the worst uh, the worst hit. He had four to the face, one to the neck, and one to his arm, okay? But the point there was that, hey, the guy who was shot to pieces, Platt, was shot 12 times. He kept fighting. He had the mindset. 101st, you know, can do or whatever they go, uh, 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 yeah, uh, uh, whatever yeah. the army is. he had that, that attitude. It's like, hey, you know what? I am not going to stop. I am going to try to persevere. And you know what? He fought till his last breath, you know. So, so it's, it was a, Chris, it was a watershed event. I mean, it just changed right tremendously, hugely, you know. So, do you? That answers your question. You answered it perfectly. And obviously, I, I knew that there was takeaways. I just kind of wanted to hear you, you know, lay them out like that, which you did absolutely perfectly. And I just, I I do, I find it weird, so kind of surprising that the, that the Bureau did so much of that, like, in-line shooting before that. But I guess it makes sense. But, like, I find that kind of shocking. And I guess it was a, no, you know, But you know what, though? I mean, see, that, that, that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand or don't know. Not, not that you don't understand. That was that was a different era, okay. Right. That was the era that was the era before drugs, you know, before drug dealers and 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 uh, you know Mac tens and and forty right. sevens. Uh, you know. Yeah, that I was. Mean, that was I mean, you that know, was your small the, town the, cop. Yeah. That was your Norman Rockwell police officer. You know, how do you do? Exactly. You know, you know what though? I, I think I think the throwback from 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 now. The closest thing that we we could come to to what the way things are now is going back to the gangster era where you know you had the the uh, Tommy guns. I mean, I would hate. Uh, I, can you imagine going up against somebody with a fifty round Tommy gun? He would light you up, man. <laughs> it's like oh my. I mean, they, they didn't call it a trench gun for nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's a World War One trench gun. It's yeah. like holy shit. Yeah. Forty fives, I think it shot too, right? Yes, you know, all ball ball ammo, man. That thing will go straight through in you know a tree, you know. So, so <laughs> I think back back in the thirties, you know, that was the gangster era, the Tommy guns and, and the and the whippet guns, you know, the old bar, you know, where uh, Bonnie and Clyde sawed down their 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 bar. Yeah, <laughs> their thirty out six. Yeah, <laughs> you know, semi-automatic rifle, you know, so. Uh, and and now you know when when we when we got into it you know people you know the drug dealers criminals were starting to come up with the AKs you know and, and the uh, the um, the Mac tens and the Mac elevens you know that type of stuff you know so but law enforcement again it was more a basic training in marksmanship and then administrative okay we have to show that Tom. You know, Tom, you know, he may be a good investigator, but he's a piss poor shot. He, he only averages 71% on the range. Yeah. Okay. Whereas Chris, Chris averages 87%. So they have to be able to defend that in court in case you, you, uh, you get into a situation, you know, so they have to have, have you, um, Actually, Chris, ask a question real quick because I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. But I've, I've got a question. Hold the line. I, have, I have an unrelated question to the shootout that I would like your opinion on. No, go ahead. Um, so, and I know you guys kind of got a little bit into politics on the last podcast, but I've been thinking about this for a while and it's, it's bothering me and I want a real veteran's opinion on it. Um, obviously I'm 
super pro police. I took I took the police test a few years ago. If, if I could live, I'm 35. I have a career already. I have a house. If I could live my life over again and start at, at 18, I would have tried to become a police officer at that age. Um, and I got a 98.6 on the test, but I think I'm just too old to become an officer. <laughs> um, so I just want to put that out there first. But it seems like right now law enforcement is kind of in a tough situation because it it seems like they never they never really have the support of I don't want to say the left, but you know what I mean? Right. Not necessarily the left, but they never really had the support of the left. And they always kind of had the support of the right. But now it seems like between a combination of um, in certain areas, like what I would call revenue law enforcement, where like you'll have a broken taillight out and then they'll bust you with five more tickets. Or like I remember one time when I was uh, really young, I got a ticket for not stopping properly and I got nailed with a bunch of surcharges, whatever. Between that and between certain people, not all of them, thankfully, because there's a lot of sheriffs that are not enforcing, but the, the, the lockdowns, law enforcement that are that are um, that are enforcing the lockdowns that a lot of people deem unconstitutional. It seems like law enforcement's kind of in a tough place, and I just want to kind of wanted your opinion on that because you know it's it's weird and it's not it's it's not good and as somebody who is a, a wholehearted law enforcement supporter it kind of it, it makes me kind of upset because like you know i well you, you see what i'm saying I, I i think i understand what you're saying but you know what though let me give you a historical standpoint i mean from, from my perspective even back in the 70s 80s and 90s okay it almost didn't matter whether you were, as you said, left or right, okay? Right, right. Most citizens were, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I use the word leery. Most citizens were leery of, of law enforcement. Okay? Really? You know, because they're the enforcers. Uh-huh. Okay, I mean, they're, they're, that's why they, they call them law enforcement. They were the enforcers, okay? And the idea of an enforcer is to be impartial, okay? And, and that's the way it should be. Okay. You should be an impartial enforcer. And, you know, same thing with, the, with the, the, the law. It should be impartial. But don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the, there were people out there that, that were wholehearted supporters of law enforcement and there were people out there that were totally against law enforcement but overall the general the, the general con- consensus I, I don't know if i can use the word consensus but the general attitude was like oh my god there's a cop you know even if you weren't doing anything wrong and even if you were a good citizen it's like oh my god there's a cop you know just you know walk straight you know don't look at that type of stuff. And if you were a criminal, forget it. Oh my God, there's a cop, you know, run or, or whatever, you know? So, but I guess it was a certain amount of respect, whether it was <laughs> respect out of uh, fear or a respect out of just respect, you know? Uh, but nowadays, I mean, there's a total disrespect, a complete breakdown. Hey Chris, can you put in headphones? I'm getting feedback through your your phone. Yeah, it's just making weird noises. But sorry, Mr. Morales, go on. No, should I wait or can no, I go? No, you're good. No, I'm good. I can hear. No, no. The, the thing is, you know, uh, now nowadays, I mean, it's gone way overboard. Now you have a, 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 an open uh, hatred, an open 
defiance of law enforcement. And you know what? And that that stem that goes right back. I put that on, on the uh, right. I put that in the lap of uh, politicians. Okay, because uh, you never used to tolerate you know rioters you know getting in officers' faces. Okay, I tell you what, you do that in Europe, you do that in Latin America, you're going to get your butt whipped. Okay, yeah. getting into an officer's face like that and yelling at him, guess what? You're going to get a fist to the face or a belly cr- club across the shoulder, period, <laughs> in the story. There is no need for that, okay? People say, well, they have a freedom of speech. Yeah, you know what, you can have your freedom of speech all you want, but don't get an inch from my face and yell at my face, okay? That's called encroachment. Okay, and I don't know why more more departments don't don't enforce that. When you you know, I guarantee you, if you did that to any of those lily livered politicians, okay, if you got within an inch of their face and started yelling at them, I guarantee you they would back away or they would react in some way to push you or they would call security. Yeah. Okay, but yet they don't want law enforcement officers to respond to that. You know, they say, hey, it's perfectly legal. It's freedom of speech. But if you did it to them, they would be crying like little baby bitches. Yeah, I guarantee you. Well, I think maybe what they need. It's yeah, it's always it's you're right. It's the same thing with like actors going to and and Chris. Sorry, I I muted your phone because you were getting feedback. So I'll I'll I'll, now you're asked to unmute. Chris, I think there you go. Are you back? How dare you? Can you yeah. hear me now? Yeah, I'm just getting feedback through your phone. But yeah, it's like it's like you always see at like the Golden Globes or Emmys or whatever the hell it is. They'll come on and they'll just be on the red carpet and they're like, and let's all you know take a moment to ask for gun control because we need a safer society. And if you look off into the periphery, it's just you can still see them on the TV cameras. You'll see some guys that don't really look like they belong there, and they're in suits with square jaws and they've got MP5s. And it's like, who are those guys? And it's, well, they're protecting us from who? Right. From crazy people. Well, can I get some of that protection too? No, no, peon. You're not worthy. No, You're not worthy. no. Go You're back. Not... Go back to the factory. Work harder. You know, it's. But you know what? Though? Let me add this, okay? And I probably shouldn't. You know, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble. But, you know, you see all these different uh, areas around the country that uh, that uh, I forget what was the one in Minneapolis or the one in in, uh, in Seattle where they made the the no police zones. Chaz. Was it Chaz? Yeah, that was, Chaz? In, that was in Chaz. That was in Seattle, or was it Portland? Okay. You know, can you imagine? You know, and 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 it's my understanding that crime in in uh, in, Wisconsin, in uh, Minnesota has gone up like a hundred percent or hundred hundred fifty percent. Can you imagine if law enforcement, <clears throat> if law enforcement, <clears throat> excuse me, if law enforcement were to disappear tomorrow? Can you imagine what would happen? I kind of think that needs to happen because they've been calling. Yeah, well, you for, know what? Though, yeah. In a way, I kind of wish it would happen. I know. To, so do I. To Seattle and, and to Minneapolis, you know, and and then they would really see if you if you it's like you said earlier, uh, Tom. If you give these politicians a taste of their own medicine and take away their security, okay, and let them run run around like regular citizens without any any uh, security details then they would start seeing the world for what it really was, okay? Because then they're, they're susceptible to the same muggings or or shenanigans that, that people play, you know, getting getting in your face or pushing you, or you're trying to have a meal and somebody comes into a restaurant and starts throwing crap around and ruining your meal, ruining, you know, threatening you and so on and so forth, okay? In a, in a certain way, I kind of wish they, they would go all, all, all out, you know, say, hey, we're, you know, we're uh, we're abolishing police, 
Okay, can you imagine what would happen to cities like that? They would burn down within a week. Okay, <laughs> I think it needs I mean, to happen. You know, I think we've all seen the movie The Purge, whether it's one, two, or three. You know, that's what would happen. You would have people that would have to arm themselves to defend themselves against other predators. You know, it's like, gee whiz, you know, that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Chris, getting back to your question, society has changed. Okay, when I came in, you know, people had a healthy respect, whether it was a healthy respect out of, out of like respect or a little bit of intimidation or fear. But people had a respect for the, for that that officer, you know, patrolling in, in his patrol car or on the beat. Now, you know, uh, our politicians and our media, they an officer. I mean, he's like a he's like a marked man or a marked woman. They're, they're, they're walking around with targets on their back, and if they do anything to defend themselves, they will be labeled the bad guys. And I think that's absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, ludicrous. I think they need to because they're all calling for this. You know, it's kind of like the the girlfriend or the wife that keeps threatening to leave versus the one that finally packs her bag and takes the kids. Like either she's good and she leaves or the husband's like, oh man, I really am a piece of shit. And he changes, right? It's kind of like that. We can keep calling for law enforcement to be defunded. Fuck it. Take them out. Just take them out entirely. Watch the city burn and live stream it from a bunch of drones and helicopters. I mean, just put in the news choppers or shit that we use to watch like football. Just put it on pay-per-view. Put it on YouTube for free. Watch the city burn and then be like, who's next? I mean, fuck those who suffer. Remember, yeah, yeah, Bring yeah. It in. no, I, I agree with you. You know, it's it's, it's ludicrous. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know what? Though it, it's 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 been said in the media. You know, the first function of of a of a government or or a city council or state government or, or national government is to secure the public safety, to secure the people. Yeah. Okay, e- either domestically or or. Uh, or from foreign, you know, from foreign actors. Okay, that's that's the, the basic fundamental job of the government, and then everything else comes on top of that. Okay, you know, you gotta you gotta pave the streets, you gotta pick up the garbage, you gotta deliver the mail, you know, you gotta make sure people are secure in their businesses and their homes. You know, it's like, you know, that's that's normal. But it, you know, the first one is pe- people have got to be secure in their homes and in their businesses. Okay, you have to provide. The, you know, security for, for the for the general public, not just for yourself, you know, but for the general public. And I think, you know, the way our society is going now, it's like, you know, it, it's like I see all these politicians on TV, you know, especially the, 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 the federal ones, you know, they're, they're, they're okay, man. I mean, they're getting paid, you know, yeah. in the pandemic, you know, they're not they're losing fine. their pay yeah. and they get security. So, yeah. man, you know, life is good for them. Yeah. The rest of us, you know, uh, deplorables have to fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it doesn't matter to them. They're getting money. They still have. Yeah. They still have their secret service. They have everything. Yeah. To them, it's all just like, hey, it's virtue signal. It's bargaining chips. It's, they don't give a yeah, shit. Exactly. They don't give a exactly. shit what happens outside of the castle. But the rules for thee and not for me. Exactly. That's, exactly. that's, that's what it is, you know. Anyway, yeah. Chris, I hope that answers your, your question, you know. I know I rambled down a lot. No, absolutely. no, no, no. It, it, it totally did. It totally did. Um, I was going to say, let's, uh, we, a little past an hour and the audio is kind of fucking up. So let's wrap this one up. But Chris, you're going to read the book. And then we're gonna do this again. We're gonna we're gonna do this again in January. And Chris is gonna come prepared. Sounds good. Does that sound good? good? Great. Totally. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Morales. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Chris, I'll see thank you. Thank you on- both so much. This yeah. was a dream come true. Yeah, I'll, Chris, I will. I'll, I'll see you in like two weeks. But Mr. Morales, Merry Merry Christmas, and um, 
I'll send you an email and let's set one up in January and we can do us three again and we can bullshit again. Okay, Tom, thank you. And Chris, it was nice meeting you. And you're not not even a tenth as bad as Tom made you sound. Yeah. You well mit, okay, yeah. well okay, well now all right, well now well now Ed's putting words in my mouth, so I'm coming for you, all right? But um <laughs> Okay guys. Again, Merry Christmas to you guys if I don't see you and happy new year. Okay? Uh, you too, sir. Thank you so much. All right. All right, my guys. Bye bye. Peace. Bye bye.